Habakkuk was struggling with the fact that God would use wicked Babylon to chastise his people Israel. And so he really just needed reassurance. So God, I believe, starting in, in uh, verse 4 of chapter 2, gives Habakkuk a little bit of reassurance. And we're not really going to get into a lot of that today. We'll get into a little bit of it. Uh, we'll get into more of it tonight. But today, what I want to look at is the great contrast that God gives us in verse 4, chapter 2, in the book of Habakkuk. And it says, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, Behold, his soul, speaking of Babylon, speaking of uh, this nation that would come against Israel uh, for God's chastisement, his soul is puffed up, or he is a proud nation. Pride is what drives him. His soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. This is not right thinking. Pride is not right thinking. Then he gives us probably one of the greatest statements and most quoted in the New Testament in Scripture. It says, the just shall live by faith. Well, let's back up and let's look at pride first. Pride says, I don't need anybody, especially not God. I'm a, I'm a bumper sticker reader, which is dangerous at 80 miles an hour. My eyesight's not what it used to be. I got to get real close, which bothers my wife. But I like to read bumper stickers. And there's one that I have seen on a couple of occasions, and you've probably seen it too, that I just shake my head at. And it says, born okay the first time. And I'm like, really? Really? That's pride. That's straight up pride that says, you know what? I got it all together. I don't need God. I got this thing. But we all, in one way or another, deal with pride. Pride says, I don't need anybody. I can make this happen. Faith says, I can do nothing apart from God. So you see the contrast between the two. Pride says, self. Pride is all about self. I got it. I don't need anybody. I got this thing. And it comes in other forms, too. But faith says that I can do nothing apart from God. Babylon was the poster child for pride. They worshipped their might. They worshipped their armies. They worshipped what they had acquired through conquest of other nations. They worshipped, as we, we looked at it first, their nets as they gathered other nations unto themselves. They worshipped the wealth that they had acquired. They were very prideful. They didn't need God. They had it all together on their own. The world's no different today. People love to tell us about what they acquire. People love to, to make us think that they have it all together. Um, pride comes in so many different forms. Um, Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, if there is a sin that is universal, it is this. Where is it not to be found? Hunt among the highest and the loftiest in the world, and you shall find it. And then go and search among the poorest and the most miserable, and you shall find it there. There may be as much pride inside a beggar's rags as in a prince's robe, and the harlot may be as proud as a model of chastity. Pride is a strange creature. 
It never objects to its lodgings. It's happy everywhere. It will live comfortably enough in a palace, and it will live equally at ease in a hovel. Is there any man in whose heart pride does not lurk? Pride is dangerous. It lurks in the shadows, it rears its ugly head, and it reeks of self. And self has no place in faith. There is a great contrast between the two. Um, John Bunyan, a preacher from Victorian days in England, uh, told a story of a, a man that had come to him after one of his sermons and told him, Man, what a great sermon that was. And he said, you're too late. Satan already told me that before I even stepped down from the pulpit. And we love your encouragement, don't get me wrong. But pride can be found, and it is most dangerous probably within the walls of the church. The praying man is proud of his ability to pray. The giving man, proud of his ability to give. The teacher, proud of his great knowledge. It's very dangerous in the church. We've seen it in this place. It's very dangerous within the church. It has no place in the church. In this place, it's all about Christ. Not about anything that we have. We bring nothing to the table, and that's what makes it so beautiful. We come empty-handed to the cross. I got nothing for you, Jesus, but I give you myself. That's the great contrast. Pride versus faith. I love that statement. The just shall live by faith. What is justification? Uh, the video that, that, that Caleb played before we began our worship spoke of it a little bit. Justification is more than being found innocent. When you think about those found innocent, O.J. was found innocent. Casey Anthony was found innocent. It's far more than that. It is the picture of no question, without spot, without blemish, God holds nothing. There is nothing to be held against you and I in the eyes of God as he sees us through Christ Jesus. Perfect. Holy. Justified. Without spot. Without blemish. Man. For a wretch like me, that's how God sees us. Perfect in His eyes. And I love that. Justification is the, the great transformation from condemnation, who we were before Christ, to being justified, justification in Christ, all of our sin put away. It's only through faith. The faith, the just shall live by what? By faith. There is no other way. Strictly by faith. And it's only, we have to think of the object of our faith. 
we have a lot of, mm, let's be careful here. We have a lot of objects of worship in our life. Some people worship blue and orange. Some people worship garnet and gold. Some people worship the person sitting next to them. Some people, uh, we have lots of objects of worship. Christ is the only, only one worthy of our worship. And it is only faith in Him that sets us free from pride, sets us free from sin, sets us free from condemnation, and gives us the ability to live. The just will live by faith. What is, is any among us just? Only through Christ. But yes, you can definitely say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you are in Christ, you are just. God sees you as perfect and holy and beautiful. We have been set free by that faith from condemnation. I'll share something else with you. That I, I love, I can read Charles Spurgeon all day long. He, he comes up with the greatest things. He says, Beloved, he that believes in Jesus is justified from all things. Praise the Lord, all things. And I love this. Which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. We are justified by faith, not by works. There's not anything that you and I can do to justify ourselves. We cannot stand before the court and plead our case. And But look at, I did this, and I did that, and I worked hard here, and I, and I devoted myself to this, and I prayed, and I did all of these things. We are not justified by what we can do. We do not have that ability. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ and in Him and Him alone. Pride and self and have no place in faith. They're contrary to one another. And uh, the, the, the life of the Christian after we have been made alive by faith must continue in faith. No Christian remains a Christian by not believing. It is in belief. It is in knowing what Christ has done for us knowing that we rest in the result of what He did for us, and that because of that, His life is in us, that we can live this life at all. We have not the ability to live the Christian life. It, it, it's, it's not funny, but sometimes it's almost comical to hear, hear a, a person talk about how, how they're living the Christian life. Let's go back to pride. Because it's pride that says, I can live the Christian life. I can do these things. It's not possible. Other than resting in what has already been done for us. We are justified by faith and by nothing else. We're going we're gonna to get to three things early. We're only looking at one verse in the book of Habakkuk. But I want to share... Three places in the New Testament where those verses are shared. We'll start in Romans 
chapter 1. I'll read a few verses to you in Romans chapter 1. We'll start at 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For, it, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, The righteous shall live by faith. object of our faith is Christ and Him alone. If you are putting your faith in anything in this world, it's going to go down like a Titanic. Put your faith in your job and see what happens when you get laid off. Put your faith in that other person and see what happens when they disappoint you. Put your faith in, in, in politicians. Yeah, don't go there. Do we want to get? No, we don't want to go there. Put your faith in anything apart from Christ. Faith for faith. The righteous shall live by faith. It's by faith alone and faith in Jesus Christ alone. The next one, Galatians 3. If you're good at Bible drill, you can keep up. Galatians 3, we'll start in chapter 10. He says, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. If you are relying on yourself, if you're relying on trying to follow the Ten Commandments, if you're relying on trying to be a good person, you are still under the curse of Adam. You are apart from Jesus Christ. You're still under Adam. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. We all know that's impossible. Now, it is evident no one is justified before God by the law. No one. You can't be good enough. The righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us. From the curse of the law, the just shall live by faith. In Christ, we are fully justified. I love that. Fully justified, freed from the penalty of sin. It has been put away. I love what Caleb was sharing with us during worship time. All the way back to Adam and as far to eternity, you can't ever get there. All. Christ put it all away on the cross. For you and I, everything. Our old self has been completely put away. We have been made new. We have been justified by faith in Him and by nothing else. In Hebrews chapter 10, starting verse 34, said, For you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Anybody done that lately? Joyfully accepted the plundering of your property? Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession. What are these earthly things that we hold on to? Do we not have a better possession in the Lord Jesus Christ that cannot be taken away from us? 
Why do we hold on to the things of this world so tightly? And an abiding one. He lives inside of us. For those who are in Christ, if you've received Him as your Savior, if you're born again, He is an abiding presence in your life. He lives inside of you and I. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive... The will of God is accepting Christ, by the way. It's not doing the the ten steps of Christianity. It's accepting Christ. You may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. Come, Lord Jesus, come. But by my righteous one shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But I love this. But we are not of those who shrink back. If Christ is in you, you don't shrink back. You know that that faith is real. You have been made complete in Him. You are justified by your faith. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Christ preserves our souls. We are called to live by that faith and nothing else. I'll share one more thing with you, and I love this. It's about Martin Luther. There is, in Rome, I guess it's still there, in Martin Luther's day it was there, uh, it's, it's a staircase, it was called the St. Scalia. And it was believed, or it was whatever, made up to be by the, by the, the Catholics, that uh, this was the very staircase that when Christ came down from, from Pilate's palace, this was the staircase that he walked down. This was supposed the very staircase. Martin Luther had made a purpose to journey to Rome to try to get rid of his sins. He felt like that was the place that he could do that. So he, he made it a purpose to go to this place. A lot of things happened along the way. Um, I'll skip over those. It was called the Holy Staircase. It was superstitiously believed to be the very one down which the Savior came from Pilate's Hall. Luther said, I have never gone up those stairs because no one may go up them except upon his knees. And I would not do that. But I have walked up and down the steps that go beside them. There are certain holes cut in the wooden floor which encase the marble staircase And that wooden floor has been worn away many times by the pilgrim's knees. There are places cut where priests say the blood of Jesus fell to enable the poor votaries of superstition to kiss the spot where the blood drops fell. I've seen scores of men and women going up the staircase on their bended knees. For those stairs... They're told there are great indulgences to be obtained by crawling up them. Luther was doing this for he had gone to Rome determined to get rid of his sins, if possible. And while he was in the middle of that slavish toil, he had read it in the Bible, he, seeking to gain everlasting life by his penances, this text came to his mind. He had read it in the Bible in the monastery, the just shall live by faith. 
And to the astonishment of those who looked on, he rose from his knees, never to go up the Santa Scalia anymore in that fashion. He had discovered that which he was looking for, the true way of living. And you know that it was not long before he needed to tell others of the life and peace that he had discovered. That which he was looking for. Truths, an old monk who knew about these truths of God, but who did not want to have any noise made concerning them, said to him, Go back to your cell and live near to God, but do not make a stir. We know how that worked out. But God did not mean him to go back to his cell. And he began to speak, and very soon the world knew that a mighty change had been worked. But it all came instrumentally through Luther, learning this great truth of God. The just shall live by faith. The words of Charles Spurgeon as the, as the band comes. Uh, I love this. Leading into the invitation of the, 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 the message that he spoke on this verse. Years and years and years ago. As he led into his invitation. This is what he said and I love this. And this is to us today. He said, if I'm addressing any who are trying to procure eternal life by their own works, if you have mended your ways a good deal, it was time you did so. If you have attained a great many virtues to which you were strangers before, I am very glad to hear it, for it was your duty to do so. But if you are hoping by any such means to put away your sin, oh, that some voice more potent than mine would speak not only to your ear, but to your heart, and say, The just shall live by faith. It is well that you have forsaken the ale bench. It is right that you have abstained from profane language. It is good that you are honest. It is most commendable that you are seeking to be a comfort to your friends at home and to observe all the laws of domestic and social life. But if you are seeking in this way to obtain eternal life, you will miss the object of your search. It is not so that you can be made just in the sight of God or that you can secure true spiritual life. For the just shall live by faith. That is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, if you have never come to that point in your life where you have come before Him and, and surrendered your life to Him, ask Him to come into your heart to be the Lord of your life, to be your Lord and Savior, now is that time. The just shall live by faith and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. What a great day to come to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your mercy, for your grace, God. We thank you for loving us. We thank you, God, that we have, in Christ, been brought from condemnation into life. From condemnation to being justified, to being set free, to being given freedom from sin, freedom from self, freedom from pride, freedom from the things that drag us down, that in Christ, God, we are set free from all of those things. But apart from Christ... There is no hope for us. We will waller and die in self. Lord, 
For those that you are calling on their hearts in this place this morning, I pray, God, that you would set them free, that they would come to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, that we would rejoice with them as a church and cry out, Hallelujah. Because you do this work. You and you alone. We give this time of invitation to you in Jesus' name. Amen.